Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to another edition of the Holiday Guy Podcast. I'm your host, the Holiday Guy. My lovely co-host, Mrs. Holiday Guy, has the day off. So instead, I am here with longtime friend of the show, horror author, and host of Friday Night Frights, Sebastian Bendix. Hello. And we are here to talk about Friday the 13th. A subject I know very well. So, okay. First of all. Yes. How many movies are we talking about? To date, there is a total of uh, 12 Friday the 13th movies. Okay. Um, that is, uh, I believe, including uh, Freddy vs. Jason, which is sort of counted. Oh, you've got to include that one. Sure, for sure. So, yes, there are, there are 12 uh, to date, and um, they have yet to make the 13th one. you think they would have done that by now, but they haven't. So we don't have one opening opening tomorrow. Sadly, no. Or you'd be there. I'd be there. And we not here. We wouldn't be doing this. I'd no. be waiting in line for uh, Friday the 13th. You'd 13th. be camping out. Damn straight. And yeah. you might be the only one camping out. So you'd be sure to be first in the theater. I would definitely be first. Yeah, so before we dig in right. uh, to Friday the 13th, 1 through 12, right. it's going to be a long one, folks. Yeah. Just to give a little context. Uh, so Halloween came first. Yes. And that was really the blueprint. What yes. we think of as the sort of modern slasher film. Yeah, absolutely. It set the tone. It, what it did was it established a sort of killer and uh, tied it to a holiday. So okay. that was sort of the beginning of the... And that's my interest right, right there. Exactly. It's all about holidays for me. Well, yeah, there's pretty much a slasher for almost every holiday. So, yeah, it was Halloween that started that. And um, the original producer and director of the first Friday the 13th and producer for the most of most of the franchise Sean S Cunningham you know young filmmaker at the time kind of entrepreneurial spirit he saw what happened with Halloween how much money it made and he what he did was he literally just took the title Friday the 13th and was like we're going to make a movie about Friday the 13th and so they copyrighted the the title or whatever and they okay. even put out ads in the trades before they had a movie or a script or oh, anything. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, back in the late 70s. So for all you aspiring filmmakers out there... Just pick a title. All you really need is a title. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you copyright that thing. Yeah. And then, you know, don't worry about the script. That comes later. Yeah. Story, who cares? As long as you got that awesome title. And Friday the 13th is a great title. It is a great title. So um, would you call this movie a kind of a cheap cash-in? It is a franchise built on the flimsiest of artistic merit. It is just a soulless cash grab in its inception. Okay. But you like these movies. I love them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just to make that clear. The Friday 13th series is pure in its intentions, and its intentions are cheap thrills mm -hmm. and get your money. Okay. So you have and scare to scare the crap it. out of people. Yeah, if it can, you know. Sometimes right. it doesn't even care about that so much. It's born of the basest uh, human impulses. As long as the kids buy their tickets and their popcorn, it's all good. We're good, yeah. Okay. 
Friday the 13th. Yes. The OG, the original. The original. Why don't you just, why don't you just kind of set it up right. for, for people that have never seen these movies, right? that have never heard of these movies, and I don't know, maybe some of our younger listeners, they, uh, they might not be down with Friday the 13th. So That's, that's a crying shame, but... I mean, we're going to change that. We're going to change right here, that today. right now. Okay. I mean, basically, your premise for Friday the Thirteenth is a simple one. Uh, there's a summer camp uh, years ago. Crystal Lake, correct? On the Crystal Lake. See, I know one or two things. You know one or two things. You, you're up on it, but uh, you're sort of classic summer camp uh, on a lake, Crystal Lake. And years ago, in the context of the movie timeline, it was in the '60s. Okay. There's a tragedy that happened at the camp. The camp has been closed for like 15 years, and they decide, a bunch of enterprising young uh, teens decide to reopen it. And in doing so, they evoke the wrath of a killer. Okay. And what year are we talking about? Uh, The first one is 1980. 1980, okay. Yes. So right at the sort of the dawn of the Reagan era. Right, at the dawn of the Reagan era. And this is really ushering in the slasher boom. Of, it started with Halloween in 78, and then by 1980, it was like everybody was a slasher. Okay. So basically, you have a bunch of kids yeah. at a summer camp, mm-hmm. and uh, that's all you kind of need, right? Is that's all uh, you need. A bunch of victims in like a semi-isolated place. Right. With um, a lot of uh, implements of death. Yes. If you if you were you grew up in the early '80s, and I'm sure they still have them now. Like if you're a kid, you're familiar with summer camp, so it's got that sort of familiar environment that now we're going to turn it sinister and right. creepy, which I think is always a a good thing to do in your horrors. So this is the counselors, and it's kind of like before the campers show up. Yeah, they're not there yet. Because that would be really dark. Yeah. I mean, these kids are what? They're teenagers. Yes. They're not in elementary school. No, they're they're smoking pot, having sex, mm-hmm. doing all the things that you know we want them punished for. They've lived a full life, really, yes. at this point. It's not much of a tragedy. No, not really. Not when you think about it. I mean, you know, teenagers deserve to die. We know that. How many, how many kids? Uh, I forget. There's 13 kills in the movie total, but they're not all... Ooh, the, good memory. They, they're not you all... You pulled the, that stat just well, right out of the air. The original trailer is a lot of fun because they count down all the kills in the trailer. Okay. It's like 13, 12, 11. You know, they, that's how the trailer sort of operates. But I believe it's 13 kills in the first movie that they don't stick to this rule later on. It's a little hard to keep track of them. Sure. With all the but it's a bit of a mystery. Yes. These counselors yes. are getting killed one by one. Yes. And, you know, it's it's a bit of a whodunit. One of the counselors famously is Kevin Bacon. Really? Yes. And he okay. gets killed in a Early really, on? Um, early Kevin Bacon, obviously. But mm. he, he gets killed sort of in the middle. We're talking pre-footloose Kevin oh, Bacon. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And he is largely uh, distanced himself from this movie for whatever reason to talk about Friday I wonder the, why. Friday the 13th. Well, it's weird because he doesn't, he's been in other horror movies and he doesn't get attitude about that, but apparently. He's the lead in those movies. Right. So apparently if you ask Kevin Bacon about Friday the 13th at a com or con or whatever. Or a Bacon Brothers concert. Yeah, He's just not going to talk about it. No, he's going to get mad. Okay. So don't do it. But yeah, so Kevin Bacon's in it. He gets um, kill, killed pretty well with an, an arrow through his neck mm-hmm, okay. after having sex. So. Gotcha. And so, really, the subtext of all these movies, or at least the early ones, right, is it's all about abstinence, yeah? Yeah, I think that's um, that was sort of the lesson that Sean S. Cunningham, the director and producer, took from 
wrongly took from Halloween that right. what slasher movies were about were about punishing people for doing stuff like smoking pot and having sex, where John Carpenter never really intended that to be But those things are evil, were. Seb. Well, I know they're evil, and, and you know they're evil, but, you know, the kids, they just want to have a good time. So, but, yeah, that gets a machete to the head. and, and Indulging in pleasure, that's where it gets you, kids. That's right, yeah. That's so, the lesson. So, yeah, there is sort of a puritanical uh, bent to the movies in that regard, and that carries over to a lot of slashers. But So is it the virgin that survives? For all intents and purposes of Virgin, if you pay attention to the dialogue, and I have... I'm sure you have. It is implied that she has gotten busy with... Okay. Now, spoiler alert, this movie has one of the best all-time endings. For a horror movie, for sure, but really for any movie, just as far as like a just a shocker with that last shot. Do you maybe want to set that up? The movie has a, a sort of terrible twist in that terrible twist well not a that brilliant twist the, yes, me. the killer in the first movie as most people probably know is not jason but jason's mom and um, it's sort of bad poorly written in the sense that they don't ever show you jason's mom until she shows up and all of a sudden it's like it's one of those twists that's kind of not a twist because you weren't given the chance to figure it out at any point right. you don't see her early on no. in the movie where she's like you know at the gas station right. like handing out the maps right yeah there's nothing like, like don't that. go up to the old camp yes. kids no he she just shows up she just at shows the end up and you've never seen her before yes but she's creepy and it's a cool it's a you know it's a fun whodunit in in that sense and she you know it's a fun chase around the camp and she's a creepy actress and it's fun but the real the what you're talking about the piece de resistance of the first movie is there's this sort of denouement at the end where the um, heroine is in a boat and she's out in the lake and she's she's vanquished the mother and everything seems to be that everything's going to be fine and and when the mother is, comes back she she tells the story of her son Jason and how he drowned in the lake because the camp counselors were having sex and not paying attention blah 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 which explains, and that's her motivation. That explains her motivation. And so you get this tranquil scene at the end where you think everything's fine and she's in the boat. And then all of a sudden there's this, like, this nice trippy sort of folk music playing. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden this like little kid corpse or something comes popping out of the water and grabs her and pulls her into the water. Okay, so just to be clear though, these counselors, are they the same counselors that no. were not paying attention? No, they're not. Okay. This is like 15 years later. Okay. So, so it's not really like justice is being served. No, no, but she's crazy. You know, Jason's mom is nuts. Well, can I just say I'm really happy that you use the word denouement. <laughs> and if there's a way that you could also slip the word milieu somewhere into this podcast, I'll, 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 I will try. Really I think I can do it. Okay. That's the first one. Yes. And it was a huge success. Massive hit. Despite the fact that it didn't have the maps. It doesn't really even have Jason. Nope. Does it have the music? The music is from Harry Manfredini, and he does pretty much the whole series. I mean, not every, uh, not every movie, but he does most of the music, and most of the music that you as- associate with Friday the 13th There's sort of these screeching violins and stuff that sure. get really sort of hectic. It, it's sure. sort of like psycho on But that's speed. not what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, oh, that. Are you going to do it? That? Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah. That is Harry Manfredini. That's he, his, his own voice. Yes, it's his okay, voice. a little tidbit for you. It's his voice through a microphone and a delay. And what mm-hmm. he's saying is, kill 
He's saying kill, 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 and mommy, mommy, mommy. Really? Yes. Okay, that's some like next level, like Beatles, like yeah, spin the record backwards for the hidden message. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's kill, 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 mommy, mommy, mommy. But you only get the first sort of part of each word. So it's so. Love it. But that is done by Harry Manfredini. That's his voice. And the, he's the composer. Yes. Okay. So moving on, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Yeah. This one, we do get Jason. Uh, he is an inexplicably back from the dead. Uh, he's been living in the woods. Second movie, we start with our heroine who survived last time. She's living in the suburbs. And the great thing about this segment of the, the beginning of part two is she's like living in the suburbs or whatever. And, and so she's stalked and killed by Jason, who's now like an adult who mm-hmm. wears like, uh, he wears overalls and a bag over his head. Right. But he's had to like, find her so it's like he has to have taken like a bus or something right like, and for younger listeners again like, yeah. there's no google yeah i mean there's a yellow pages yeah. in any any phone booth right like so hanging from that like cord unless you know it's torn out but, yeah so we had to find a phone booth yeah and, and he's not to be insensitive but we learn that jason is has a uh, developmental problem you know he's not he's not fully intelligent he he's uh you know i'm dancing around the word and but, yet somehow he's able to track this woman down. Yes. And you'd think that after the ordeal that she's arrived in the first one, maybe you'd want to make your number unlisted. Right. And not be and not live anywhere near Camp Crystal Lake at all. Right. But apparently she lives close enough so that Jason can find her and kill her at her apartment. How quickly we forget. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. So then we're back to the camp and now yeah, how do we get back to the camp? It just, it's like five years later, and okay. there's a new group of camp counselors who are starting another camp, not at the same site as Camp Crystal Lake. Because that would be ridiculous. I mean, why would you do that? Why would you try to start another camp at Camp Blood, which is the nickname that Chris, Camp mm-hmm. Crystal Lake gets? They're like, you know what? Let's just put the camp on the other side of yeah, the like, lake. And that's cool. Like 100 yards down the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're setting up a new camp, and now... Fully grown Jason wearing a pillowcase and overalls uh, stalks and kills them. Okay. So he doesn't have the hockey mask. Not yet. But it's pretty much the same formula. Same formula. Kids are having sex. Same They're thing. smoking pot. Yes. And then they get it. Yeah. And it feels very similar to the first movie. Like you could easily mix up, which I do, some of the kills from the first two movies. Because right. it feels very much of the same kind of. Well, you've already mentioned like archery. Yes. So, like, so one of the other, like, is there like an oar? Does someone get paddled to death? Uh, no. I'm trying to actually, think of like camp they, things, roasting marshmallows, like on a. It's not as clever as that all the time. Usually, there's just like a knife. There's a, a knife machete. in the kitchen. Yeah, a machete. Yeah. I mean, you know, if J- that works for you. Jason favors a machete. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that. So he happens to have one lying around in his creepy shack out in the woods. Sure. So he uses that a lot. Um, they're sort of like spears, harpoon guns. Mm-hmm. Um. Stuff like, oh, pitchforks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a pickaxe for some reason mm-hmm. he has at one point. All things that you'd find at any summer camp right. anywhere in the United States. And sometimes he just, like, will strangle somebody with a wire or a leather strap. and Whatever's handy, really. Whatever's handy. It's not always super inventive. Okay. But, you know, sometimes it is. Those are the special ones. So is there anything else really to say That's pretty about much part it two? for part two. Okay, what about part three? Now, part three, this is does not take place in, in Camp Crystal Lake. It's in, uh, Famously, part three is 3D. 
Of course. Yes. You got to do that with the third one. You Jaws gotta, 3D. By the time you get into the third one, yeah, you got to whip out the You need a gimmick. The three's right there, yeah. already in the title. Yeah. So of course you got to go for it. And this was during the uh, the early '80s 3D revival. Mm-hmm. So this was, I believe, this was like the first real horror movie that uh, used 3D. The slap for the only slasher movie I think at that time that did 3D. And uh, this. And one, once again, kids, we're not talking about these newfangled like polarized lenses that no. you're getting now for Star Wars: Force Awakens. Yeah. We're talking like red and blue cardboard, basically. Oh, yeah. Basically, yeah. And uh, I actually have the Blu-ray set, and they have a 3D version on the Blu-ray, and they give you the old red and blue cardboard. Uh, well, I know glasses. what we're doing after this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so this one, uh, story-wise, it does not take place at the camp. It's at a different location, just this house that these kids are going to party in. Mm-hmm. And there's this really obnoxious practical joker among them named Shelly, who is actually a guy I've seen around town. He's now a lawyer. Nice guy. Okay. Um, But he uh, is a practical joker, and he has in his bag of uh, hilarious jokes, he's got a uh, hockey mat. And um, Jason ends up killing him. Of course, because... That's hilarious. Any practical joke. I mean, yeah. You need a hockey mask. Yeah, put that hockey mask on and and scare the ladies. We're talking joy buzzer. We're talking (laughs) that, like, trick gum that, you know, turns black. I believe... And a hockey mask. I believe he has Groucho Marx uh, nose and glasses. That really would have changed the franchise quite a bit. Jason could have ended up with that. Then where would we be? But then, you know, the Groucho Marx estate (laughs) would have sued. And it's funny because I don't even think people were using that kind of hockey mask at the time like that that's like an old school kind of hockey mask. right where you have the full face guard yeah they got rid of that so. no now well now you have the kind of like you have like a visor yeah it's not, high tech but not to get too into hockey but back then but so yeah but is there any other like hockey tie-in in the movie no he no, never uses completely a, random. he never uses a hockey stick which you'd think would be the natural mm-hmm. weapon for a goalie there's no hockey scenes in any no, of the movies okay nothing Interesting. They, they, there's nothing. And um, and because it's in 3D, so what I remember is like a lot of POV shots, yes. right? Things coming right at you, sharp yes. implements of death coming right at you on the screen. Yes, and a lot of really dumb things coming at you. One one nice thing about Friday the 13th Part 3 is they spend a lot of time like putting like yo-yos in your face uh-huh. and like popping popcorn and having that sort of come at your face, like long, useless scenes of people doing stuff in 3D. Now, usually, when you get to the third movie and you're already pulling out the 3D out of your bag of tricks, Mm -hmm. that means your franchise is going downhill. Yes, generally it does. we're just getting started because Friday the 13th Part 4... Well, Friday the 13th Part 4 is the final chapter because they did think that things were going downhill... That was presumptuous of them. They figured they were going to wrap things up. They they brought back Tom Savini, who I failed to mention was the makeup guy who did the uh, sort of gore effects in the first movie that everybody loved. So he came back, and they were like, we're going to kill off Jason. They really kind of pulled out all the stops for part four, which is actually my favorite. Of really? All of okay. Yes. It's, it's, in my opinion, the best overall Friday the 13th movie. And it stars Corey Feldman, who mm-hmm. sort of ends up being the hero of the story, mm-hmm. and Crispin Glover Okay. before Back to the Future. And sure. he, he does a really awesome... All-star cast. And he does this amazing dance sequence scene that, if you haven't seen it, look it up on YouTube. Just it's, for that alone. It's amazing. It's sounds great. like it's worth it. Yeah, but it's it's actually a pretty good slasher movie, and... 
you know, they've, the, the look of Jason is, is in place now and, you know, they've got it all working. So it's actually a lot of fun. And actually kind of a brilliant marketing ploy to just be like the final chapter. Yeah. It's kind of like, this is our last album. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. But a fake out. Right. And I think... Because as we all know... Yes. They're not stopping anytime soon. Right. So that one came out and it made a ton of money. So they're like, wait a minute, we can't stop now. Mm-hmm. So then they put out part five. I also really like part five. It... For a long time, it was really maligned by fans, and that is because, I mean, it is a really stupid movie, and it's directed by a guy who was previously doing porn, but, you know, okay. he worked cheap. But uh, By the name of? Um, Daniel Kleinman. I don't that wasn't his porn name. I Daniel Kleinman is a terrible porn name. <laughs> I actually, it was a maligned movie because one of the twist to part five is that um, it's not actually Jason doing the killing. It's an ambulance driver named Roy. Does Jason get killed at the end of uh, Final Chapter? He does. He does. Okay. Rather spectacularly by Corey Feldman. Okay. With a machete. So now they're thinking, oops. Yeah. Maybe we uh, we called this thing too soon. Yes. How are we going to bring him back? Right. And so it's now it's it's not Jason anymore. It's Roy. Right. It's Roy the ambulance driver. Now how does this work? Uh, really convolutedly and poorly thought out. Okay. Basically, uh, this one takes place at a halfway house where the now-grown teenage Tommy Jarvis, who was played by Corey Feldman in the last movie, has gone to deal with his anger issues from the lingering problems he's dealing with from killing Jason as a young boy. Okay, so Corey Feldman's not in this movie. They do the old switcheroo, same character, different actor. Different actor. And actually, just out of curiosity, Mm -hmm. uh, Jason is not played by the same actor and Jason's film, never film. played by the same never actor. it's okay. always like a stunt well not until later but in the first uh, bunch of movies it's always a stuntman okay and just sort of a no-name stuntman right until we get to the later films and I'll, I'll bring okay it we'll later. get there so yeah and this one takes place at this sort of halfway house for troubled teens sort of plays with this idea of maybe Tommy Jarvis has gone crazy and he's the new Jason mm-hmm. or maybe not and then the big reveal is it's this ambulance driver named Roy, okay. who, who one of the kids at the halfway house was his illegitimate son who was murdered. Okay, I'm not following you, but let's just keep it's going. It completely makes no sense. At this point, we're so far away from Camp Crystal Lake. Yes. It's just a, a distant memory yes. at this point. But he has a hockey mask. He has a hockey mask. That's what's so great about the hockey mask. Is yeah, like, you just put you don't in. have to have even the hockey mask. No. You just have a hockey mask, really, any sporting goods store. Yeah, and he doesn't have the hockey mask. You can see that the killer is wearing a different hockey mask, so that okay. should tip you off. It's a little trivia. The keen-eyed viewer will notice that that is not the normal hockey mask. And also, Jason never gets any dialogue. That's the other no, thing. No, no dialogue. So. It definitely keeps the budget down, because yep. it's just like, you know, put in the no-name stuntman. Mm-hmm. doesn't even need to speak English. Nope. Right? Just no. needs to, you know, hit your mark, mm-hmm. you know, raise that knife over your head, and then... Go to town. Go to town. Yeah. So what's nice about part five is there's a ton of kills. I can't even remember how many, but it's like into the 20s. Because they have to keep topping themselves. Yeah, they have I to mean, keep, every time, they gotta, there has to be more and more kills. More and more kills. And it's just ridiculous. They bring in just characters to get killed for no reason. Uh-huh. Like these greasers who are just driving around. Greasers? Yeah. Who, oh, my. Yeah. There's this scene that takes place in a trailer park where this Michael Jackson wannabe gets killed in an 
outhouse. It just goes completely bonkers. There's rednecks the, the, who live in this crazy farm that get So really, killed. he's an equal opportunity killer. Just, he's not targeting any particular ethnic no. group. No, no, he just, he'll kill He'll one. kill anybody. Whoever's in his way, basically. There's something kind of beautiful about that, I think. It is. He's, Jason is sort of a pure being in that way. I mean, he is an, a murderous psycho. But he doesn't discriminate. He's equal op- opportunity. Uh, interestingly enough, this is Quentin Tarantino's favorite. And uh, when we showed the movie in our Friday the 13th festival at CineFamily, Quentin Tarantino actually came to this part five. So that was a new beginning. Yes. Okay. Where are we now? Now we're at part six, Jason Lives. Okay. Now uh, they've, they've realized they made a horrible mistake by not actually bringing back Jason. Because so, Roy just doesn't have the same kind of ring same, to doesn't it. Doesn't have the same as ring. Jason Voorhees. Exactly. So they decide, well, we got to bring Jason back from the dead. Mm-hmm. So um, they uh, do it Frankenstein style, whereas oh. Tommy Jarvis, now played by a different actor, decides that the only way he can have closure is to go to Jason's grave. Jason is buried in an actual cemetery somewhere. Uh-huh. With a headstone that says, Jason Voorhees, beloved son, (laughs) or whatever. Exactly. And so Tommy Jarvis, with the the actor who played Horshack on Welcome Back, Cotter, goes to the cemetery. Oh, sure, Ron Palillo. Ron Palillo, Mm -hmm. yes. Tommy Jarvis takes this, for whatever reason, they dig up Jason, and Tommy Jarvis takes this big like fence post and jams it into Jason's uh, chest, uh-huh. and then lightning strikes it. So this is really maybe the, a turning point in the franchise in that everything that's happened so far is totally plausible in the totally real world. Totally plausible in right? the real world. <laughs> but now we're sort of in the realm of the supernatural we have for entered, the first time. Yes, this is where Jason becomes a zombie. And there's a big debate in the fan community like when does jason become become a zombie because i mean technically he's killed at the end of every movie and he comes back for whatever whatever reason but in this movie you see that he is a rotting corpse you see Mm -hmm. worms falling out of his face that's you know when it's not covered in the mask sure so now he's got to wear the mask yes so now he's a full-on zombie he's a zombie and so now the problem is how you kill the undead. You can't. You can't. Yeah. So, so now he's really become kind of unstoppable. Yes. At this point, not even death. Right. Can stop this guy. No. You know, and 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 this is a problem our heroes contend with. So yeah. now Jason is reanimated. Yeah. And this one brings it back to uh, the summer camp. Finally. Yes. They. It's they, taken this long. A new batch of teenagers decide that they're going to reopen the old camp blood. Because really enough time has passed. Yeah, like nobody, what year are we talking about? Well, this is, I believe, in 1986. Okay. But so I that's, that's forgotten. Yeah. No, no one remembers <laughs> what happened at Camp Blood. Well, the timeline of the movies is really weird. Because they'll jump like five years ahead, even though there's only been one year between the movies. <laughs> okay. So like the timeline gets completely crazy. Like at one point, if you follow the actual years of the franchise, they'd be in like the 90s, late right. 90s. Okay. But they're not. They're in the 80s. But when you got to put out a movie every yeah. 18 months. Continuity is not a big concern in these movies. Okay, so now they're going to reopen the camp. They're going to reopen the camp, and this one I mean, actually, why not? It's Maybe a perfectly you even cash good camp. In. Maybe it's a perfectly good camp, aside from the killings. Yeah. 
I don't know if that's what it, that's probably what it said in the brochure. Yeah, it's a perfectly good camp aside from the killings. aside from the killings in in small type. Well, one thing they do in parentheses in, at the bottom. One thing the way they kind of cover this plot wise is the town has is trying to distance themselves from the Jason legacy, and they've changed the name of Crystal Lake. Whereas you think they would actually try to cash in. Yeah, you think they'd be like, come come to Crystal Lake. That's what they do now. And so they're starting a new camp there. And this one, they actually bring kids into the camp. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. They don't get killed. They don't get killed. No. But, but these they... are really kids that their parents maybe don't love them that much. <laughs> 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 that they're sending them to this camp. If they get killed by Jason, oh well. I mean, first of all, it's the cheapest camp. Yeah. You know. Yeah, dirt cheap. I mean, you know, you're looking at like your horseback riding camp. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe your fat camp. Yeah. No, all you do at Camp uh, Crystal Lake is try not to get killed by Jason. Mm-hmm. That's your whole exercise regimen. You know, which in a way, that's a good way to actually <laughs> lose weight. It's just uh, you're running. Way better than fat, fat camp. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, so Jason comes back as a, as a zombie. He terrorizes the camp, and they end up sort of tying a chain around his neck and sort of drowning him in the lake. And by the way, that was horribly insensitive. I'm not sure what is the politically correct term for fat camp. Overweight camp? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to put that out there, but please continue. Um, Chain around the neck. Yeah. They end up sort of uh, drowning him in the lake, you know, putting like a cinder block on a chain. And they they use a a motorboat motor. Okay. Outboard motor? An outboard motor onto his head. Oh, sure, the propellers. The propellers, yeah. Okay, kind of shred. Yeah, they shred his head a little The hockey mask won't protect you. It'll protect you from a flying puck. Yeah, won't but not. not a propeller. Nope, you're screwed. Yeah. So that's how they take care of Jason in that. So Just kind of stay on the surface, kids. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no diving. You know, no running, no diving. Right. As Just, long as you don't go in the water, you're fine. Yeah, exactly. But um, part six is actually kind of fun. It's got a, sort of a more campy feel. It's campy more self-aware. Campy. Uh-huh. Right. It's self-aware, and so it has that kind of element to it where it's a, they, they get the joke now. They know why you're coming, <laughs> and it's, you know, it's not, they don't take it too seriously. Okay. So it's actually a pretty fun one. Part okay. Six. Part seven. Part seven is uh, The New Blood. Okay. Now, this one, this is sort of where you might say the series jumps the shark for real. Okay. I know it sounds like we've jumped the shark. No, with, no, no. With Jason coming back We haven't back even the begun day. to jump the yeah. shark. But this At this is, point. This is where it really happens, because this one introduces a girl with psychic powers. Oh, okay. As Jason's new nemesis. Really? Yes, and she comes this to... This is after Carrie. This is well, well after Carrie. That was the elevator pitch for, the, for it. Okay, was Jason after Firestarter. Versus, yes. It was Jason versus Carrie. Like, okay. literally, that was the pitch. That was the elevator pitch. Yeah. Is, and also, this one signals the introduction of Kane Hodder, who was the only stuntman to go on to play Jason for a few movies. Okay. And he is largely considered the fan favorite Jason. Okay. Because and is he a large man? He's large, but he's not that tall. He's kind of more, like, beefy. But, but there's he, something about Kane Hodder with well, that je ne sais quoi. Yeah, I'm not a big of a fan of his as a lot of fans are. Generally, he's the fan favorite Jason, but I think he brings a little too much hmm. physicality to Jason. Like, Jason starts sort of huffing and puffing a lot, and I'm okay. like, he's a corpse. Why would he do that? Right, of course not. But some people really love it, so, you know, not my thing, but whatever. Um, and so when you say psychic, yes, you don't mean... She reads minds. No, telekinetic. Telekinetic. Yes. Okay. Sorry, I, I, that was, I misspoke. She's okay. a telekinetic. And so 
you know, there's the typical, there's a bunch of teenagers there, and but she's there with her mom and a, and a uh, therapist that the guy that played the dead corpse in Weekend at Bernie's. Okay. And then mm-hmm. she ends up going over to hang out with the parting kids and blah, blah, blah. Jason shows up, comes out from the lake and starts killing people. And then it ends with this climax where she's like using her, her telekinetic powers to battle Jason. But um, not one of my favorites. I don't really like Part 7. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty dumb. And like, does this telekinetic character sort of carry on into the next film? No. Okay, so she's gone. That was a mistake. She's wisely jettisoned. Okay. Yes. But. Where are we now? Now we're at Jason Takes Manhattan. Okay. See, that's what you really do when your franchise stalls out, <laughs> right? Take Manhattan. Just go to Manhattan. Right. Or in Muppets the, take Manhattan. Yep. In this case, Manhattan's really, I think, Toronto. Oh, of course it is. Um. But and and most of Friday Thirteenth Part Eight, Jason takes Manhattan takes place on a boat on the way to Manhattan. Okay, on a on a luxury cruise liner. So Jason takes Ellis Island doesn't quite have the same not ring to it. Not the same ring to it. He does eventually get to Manhattan, mm-hmm. and I believe they shoot. But does he take it? He does not take. He does it not take at it. All. So that's a misleading title. No, yeah, it's totally misleading. It's a real Jason is on a boat. On his way to Manhattan. Yeah. I believe that was the original title. And they're like, you know what? We need something a little snappier. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, that one, it's sort of, it's not that great. It's basically a lot of people getting killed on a boat. They did shoot one sequence in Times Square, which is kind of fun. Okay. Um, but then they end up in the sewers, uh, where they um, flood the sewers with toxic waste every night. Okay. <laughs> and, like, Jason ends up reverting back to Baby Jason somehow. It makes no sense. Because of the toxic waste? Yes. The well, toxic... What else are you do with the toxic waste? <laughs> right. So, okay. This sounds great, actually. Yeah, it sounds great, but it's I'm not liking so this great. One. I might have to go back <laughs> and watch this one. Mm-hmm. Another problem with this one and the last one is this was during the time when the MPAA was really um, clamping down on horror movies, thanks, mm-hmm. to, thanks to like Tipper Gore. And still rated R? Still rated R, but like very, not a lot of blood at all. Kind of disappointing. Kind of disappointing. A lot of the horror movies around this time suffer from that. Okay. So moving on. Or Vancouver. So Jason's a baby. Where do you, where do you go from, where do you go from there? Well, what you do is. Is he a killer baby? He is. He's never a killer baby as far as I know. But what happens at this point is the fran- the, the whole franchise gets sold to New Line. Okay. So, like, a a period of, like, I don't know, three or four years happens with no Jason movie. And so they sell it to New Line, and then they, this guy makes it with this young director who's, like, a friend of Sean S. Cunningham's son, ends Mm -hmm. up making uh, Jason Goes to Hell. Because where is he going to go after Manhattan? Right. I mean, some would say Manhattan's already hell. But he's, right. now he's got to go to the real hell. Oh, so this, okay, was this movie shot on location in hell? No. Okay. I believe this was also shot in Canada. But this one is even is even more misguided than um, Jason Takes Manhattan, if you can believe it. Because what ends up happening is they kill off Jason, like, in the opening sequence, which is actually kind of clever. It's this, like, SWAT sting operation mm-hmm. where they draw Jason out. But not baby Jason. Like, not Jason. That would be cute, though. <laughs> Like a little hockey mask? So they end up killing Jason with this sexy, like, SWAT girl. Mm -hmm. They do this whole sting where they draw Jason out in the open in this fake Camp Crystal Lake and blow him up. Oh, wow. Okay. It sounds good, right? You're You're like, oh, I'm on board. So then what happens is they kill Jason, and they bring his, like, burnt up corpse to a morgue, 
And then Jason's still beating heart takes on a life of its own. And the morgue attendant eats his heart uh-huh. and then becomes possessed because... by Jason. Because movie. Okay. <laughs> so it becomes a body hopping movie. So it's just a corner like Steve Hart's. Right? Well, I mean, well, per- if you, you like to eat hearts, where, you know, it's, probably it's a great pretty, job. It's probably pretty tasty. It's a perk. Yeah. So That's your thing. So, yeah. Get a job in a morgue. Yeah. Eat some hearts. Eat hearts. Eat your heart out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hearts galore. Yeah. So, yeah, it becomes this thing where Jason's soul or whatever is transferred from person to person. Okay. And they go murdering uh, with his soul. Okay. And that's just like anybody. Yeah. And so, like, a bunch of different actors play, quote-unquote, Jason, mm-hmm. going from body to body. No hockey mask. No hockey mask. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets really convoluted. And honestly, I, this is my least favorite of them because, mm-hmm. like, I'm a purist. I want my Jason to be Jason. Sure. I want, I want the hockey mask. Not, like, the heart of Jason or, like, the soul of Jason or the essence of Jason. No. You want, I want the guy. the man. You want the man. Yeah. And um, so this whole sort of story goes on. It's pretty terrible. Um, But by the end, Jason regains his corporeal form. Mm -hmm. And um, he, you know, he comes back with the mask and there's a big fight and he ends up getting pulled down into hell Uh by these hands that come out of the ground. But then the very the last hands of shot. His victim? No, they're just hands. They're just hands. Okay, they, I'm they reading look, too much into it. I'm sorry. They, they look Please really. Continue. They look like silly Muppet hands, actually, okay. which really it's not very impactful. So he ends up getting pulled down to hell, and then the last thing you see is his mask, like on the ground, and then Freddy Krueger's glove comes out of hell and pulls the mask. Okay, down. so there's the new line connection, right? Exactly. There. They're like, we've got this franchise. Yep. Got this other one now. Mm-hmm. Let's cross-pollinate. Exactly. So I know where you're going with this. No, you don't. I don't. Because the next movie is Jason X, where he goes to space. Oh, okay. Freddy versus Jason's going to have to wait. It waits. Okay. For whatever reason, they can't get the script right or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yes, you would think they gotta the next... they got to get it just right. You've got to get it right. So what do you do when your franchise goes downhill? First, you go to Manhattan. Then you go to hell. Then, then the logical space. place, space. Obviously. Okay. So, so now we're in the future? Well, it starts off... Are they doing like an Austin Powers, like he's cryogenically frozen? Exactly. Okay. You okay. nailed it, Doug. All right. Yeah, you totally nailed it. Okay. Um, it starts with a scene where they have Jason being held at this facility where there happens to be sort of a cryo-freezing unit. Mm-hmm. And a, it's the run... This facility is run by director David Cronenberg. Oh. He makes a cameo. And yeah, you know... Murder ensues, and Jason ends up in a cryogenic freezing chamber and is frozen. So maybe what they're thinking is that psychology today, we don't have the resources to cure this murderous psycho. What we do is we freeze him, and then the psychologists of the future will have vast stores of knowledge to work with. Yes. Maybe a little talk therapy. Yeah. No, I actually think you're, you're kind of right. I think that is brought up at one point that, like... The reason why they want to freeze Jason is so that they can thaw him out in the future and, and figure study him out. Him. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's, that's basically the premise. Mm-hmm. But what ends up happening is he gets frozen in this chamber and then like thousands of years go by or whatever and the Earth is actually destroyed. Mm-hmm. And then this spaceship comes with like this a group of scientists who all happen to be young, nubile 
teenagers uh-huh. and they find Jason and bring him up to their ship to study him. Okay. And then he ends up That's getting, a great idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's actually a pretty strong An even concept. more con- confined space. Yes. And so Jason ends up getting thawed out in the spaceship and running uh runs amok. There's a fun And so he doesn't just like talk it out? You're no, saying? he doesn't. He doesn't just like lie no. down on the couch. Unfortunately, and they they solve his problems. He, he doesn't reap the benefit of their advanced um, psychiatric techniques. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just goes on a kill crazy rampage. But the fun stuff in this is there is like a Star Trek holodeck sequence. Okay. Where they try to trick Jason into thinking it's 1981 again, uh-huh. and they have like these you know girls smoking pot and showing their breasts and okay. like trying to. T- you gotta get some in there somehow. Yeah, they taunt him that way into a into a frenzy. So they recreate Crystal Lake. Yes. Okay, because that's the way that's the way to get him. Yeah, it seems right. Yeah, you you get just him, trick him into thinking it's Crystal Lake. Get him where it hurts. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and so and then at the end he ends up being reconstituted by this like nanotech, and he becomes this sort of like space Jason. Uh-huh. I call him Spacen. <laughs> but um, in the movie, he's called Uber Jason, but he ends up looking sort of like a Todd McFarlane action figure or something. Okay. Uh, is he part machine? Yeah, he's like cyborg Jason. He's a cyborg or an android. I can never keep those two straight. He's a cyborg. He's a cyborg. Yeah. He's part human, part machine. Yes. Okay. And um, yeah, so that's how that kind of ends with like a cyborg Jason. So now he's an even more unstoppable killing machine right. because he's got these machine parts. Yes. So yeah, it's pretty fun. They okay. end up they end up crash landing the ship and that's how it kills him. But uh yeah, so that's Jason X. Okay. How many more do we have to go? Two more. Okay, hold on folks. Only two more. Only two more. This is a, kind of like a marathon. I'm actually kind of tired. Okay. So, now we finally get Freddy versus Okay. Which long gestating, long in development Freddy yes. versus Jason. Yes. They had to make this other movie in space yes. so they could get it just right. Yeah. Or to hold on to the rights or whatever. Or really but, um, just to get uh what's his uh, Robert, Robert Englund. Robert Englund on yes. board. Yes, he, he I'm sure he had script approval. So yeah, finally, two thousand three, I believe, Freddy versus Jason happens. Okay, and that's the matchup we've all been waiting for. It's a matchup we all have been waiting for. Um directed by Ronnie Yu, who did some like uh Hong Kong horror movies that are of note. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually super fun. I really like Freddy vs. Jason. Um, now, would you say that those two characters are sort of equally matched? Yeah, the, the movie does a good job of sort of justifying why they would even... Like, at first, they sort of work together. Freddy needs to come back from the dream world because he's been powerless for years because nobody's afraid of him anymore. Mm-hmm. So he um, manipulates Jason into murdering for him okay. by like appearing to Jason as his mother... Right. And uh, sort of, you know, inspiring him to kill that way. So sort of a reverse Batman versus Superman, where uh, they start out as allies. It's better than Batman versus Superman, well, that's, considerably. That's, okay. <laughs> like, Freddy versus that Jason is, very is low. way better. But, um, yeah, so Freddy actually manipulates Jason into killing some of the last Elm Street kids for him, because he okay. doesn't have the power to do it. But what ends up happening is... Jason ends up doing such a good job that Freddy gets jealous, uh-huh. and so he wants to do some of the killing himself. Sure. And so he ends up sort of regaining his power and then having to go after Jason to stop him from taking all of the fun. Right. So for me, in a head-to-head matchup, mm-hmm. I mean, they both have their advantages. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. 
The thing about Freddy is you have to be asleep. Yes. And he can kill you in your dreams. Yeah. Right? Jason can get you any old time. Yes. But it seems like you could maybe stay like a step ahead of Jason, but you got to sleep sometime. Yeah. You know what I mean? No matter how many no-dos you pop. Yeah. I've seen those movies. Freddy can get you anywhere. It never works. You all, you know, you always succumb and you fall asleep at some point yeah. and then you're just dead meat. Right. And, and, and they do, they do address that in the movie where there is a scene where Jason, Freddy goes into Jason's dreams. Okay. And we get to see what Jason is afraid of and what he, you know, he relives. I'm imagining the, like My Little Pony. that's what he dreams of yeah according to the movie he is um keeps reliving the nightmare of drowning at crystal lake Uh and you know his mom and the the camp counselors making out when they should be watching him Mm -hmm. um that kind of thing so i'm starting to feel a little sympathy for this character i have to say i mean when you watched all the friday the 13th movies you end up being pro jason Definitely. Well, sure. Because he is sympathetic. He's. It's not his fault. He's the way he is, really. No. And he's sort of just a big dumb brute. He doesn't. He's not malicious. Right. He, he doesn't take any pleasure from killing. Unlike Freddy. No, Freddy's malicious. And so. Yeah. So you end up kind of rooting for Jason. Mm-hmm. And, I can see that. And in the end, Jason kind of emerges the victor. He's the clear winner. Kind of. He, but he doesn't up, kill Freddy. He, well, he ends up, the last shot of the movie, should I spoil it? Yeah, spoil it. The last shot of the movie is Jason emerging from Crystal Lake where they've had their final battle. Uh-huh, of course. Because but we've actually be. gone back in time at this point. Yes. We've gone to space and now this we're back in the, place in the 20th century. This is taking place before Jason X. Okay. Yes. And Confusing, so, but yeah. please. It ends up, they both end up in the lake and we think that they've both been killed. But then the last shot is Jason emerging from the lake holding Freddy's head. Okay. Where his decapitated head. That's awesome. And Jason's walking on the lake. But the one thing they give Freddy uh-huh. is as the head approaches the camera, it winks at the camera. Okay, so he kind of gets the last word. Yeah, he's kind of, he's still alive. Okay. I mean, he's Freddy. He's a dream demon, so. He doesn't really exist in, in yes. the, our world, in right. the waking world. Okay. So, technically Jason wins, mm-hmm. but Freddy is still out there. Okay, so going into part 12 now. Yes. Jason's still alive. But... We're rebooting now. Okay. So Freddy versus so that's Jason. That's when you really know that's that you, your your franchise has com- hit rock bottom where it's completely time to run out of ideas. You got to start over. Yes. So how much time um, since Freddy versus Jason? Yeah. About five years. Okay. So we're talking a good five years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. A good five years of Friday the Thirteenth and no new Jason movies. Yes. That must have been really hard for you. It was really hard for me. It's you know, this it's been that long since that movie. That was two thousand nine. Okay. So yeah, and they keep saying they're going to do another one, but they don't. You can tell us those must have been hard. It's really for you. hard. Every Friday the Thirteenth, it's like a knife in my back. And you and you try to you try to fill the void with with other hard with movies, other slashers franchises. Nothing quite satisfies. I want my Jason. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Friday Thirteenth reboot. It's fun. It's maligned by people. Most people just hate reboots uh, on principle. The reboot sort of takes the first four movies and jams them into sort of one narrative. Okay. So you get like a brief flashback of Jason's mother. You get Jason with a bag over his head, like part two. Okay. He ends up getting the mask pretty early on, and then it's kind of like. It's basically just your sort of standard type of Friday the 13th movie after that. Okay, so you need not have seen any of the other movies to no. keep up with the complexities 
of the plot. No. In a way, it's kind of a good primer. Like, if you didn't want to have to watch all of the Friday the 13th movies, you could be like, what's the deal with Jason? You could watch the reboot, and it kind of gives you a Cliff Notes version of the mythology like in one movie. Okay, and where does that one end? It ends, it's pretty sort of standard. They end up like wrapping a chain around Jason's neck. But to keep in mind, Jason is not a zombie anymore. Now he's a real person again. Sure, because when you do the reboot, it has to be like the grounded. It's grounded. Yeah, there's no, yeah, there's no zombie. He's back to being like a normal, yeah. I like fantasy. Yeah, (laughs) I think we're moving back into fantasy. I think it's time for an undead Jason again. Okay. But um, I actually like the Jason in this. I, he's a, I've met him. His name is Derek Mears. He's a good actor, very physical. He kind of like is, he's got alopecia, so he doesn't have any hair. Mm-hmm. But um, so he kind of looks like Jason a little bit without any makeup. But he's a good actor, and I actually like his Jason. And I and I actually like the movie. I think it's I think it's a fine Friday the Thirteenth movie. I mean, the fans tend to not like it because they don't like reboots. It's a little slick, and I think people don't like that because it's by the Platinum Dunes guys, and and they did a lot of the reboots and remakes. Like they did the Texas Chainsaw one. Okay. They did the Nightmare on Elm Street one, which is right. really maligned, and that's like their special. Legitimate. It's rebooting bad. and ruining kind of beloved yeah. horror franchises. Yes, that's their stock and trade. That is their stock and trade. But in my opinion, the Friday the Thirteenth is the best of them. Which isn't saying much, but I honestly think it's worth watching. Well, let's be honest. Yeah. They're not going to stop making these movies anytime soon. They seem to have stopped. Who says? Who says that? I think they owe the world a Friday the 13th 13. And of of course. They owe the world I mean, if that, at the very least, if you're going to end it, you got to end it on number 13. Got to end it on 13. Yeah. Yeah, they they keep saying that they're going to make it, and it just never materialized. In fact, I looked on the Wikipedia page, and it actually says that the new movie is coming out yeah. May 13th, 2016. And here we are. And here we are. Recording a podcast, not just... watching the new Friday the 13th movie. Mm-hmm. But, you know, hopefully one day. And my, yeah. hope, my hope is very simple, Doug. I just have one simple hope for uh-huh. a new Jason movie, and I'll tell you. And it's been, there's been whispers of this happening, but we'll see. All I want is Jason on ice. I want Jason in the winter. Mm-hmm. I want to see Jason on a frozen crystal lake. Mm-hmm. Of course. In the hockey mask. And they can tour with it. <laughs> Jason. Yeah, ice like capade style. Ice capade. That's where I think it needs to go. Just snow. Yeah. That's all you got to do. I want to see that blood on the snow. Uh-huh. I want to see, like, you know. Camp Crystal Lake in winter. Hockey's played in the winter. Hockey's played in the winter. Mm-hmm. Like this, that's all yeah. you got. That's all you need to do, as far as I'm concerned, for a new Jason movie. Your pitch is that simple. Mm-hmm. Jason in the snow. Okay. So, Jason on ice. Jason on ice. A guy so, can dream. If you're listening, Hollywood, make it happen. Well, thanks, Seb. All right, man. Well, whew, that was uh, that was quite a marathon. But it sure was. I and now we're going to watch the movies. Now we're going to watch start to finish. all 13, which I have done. If you're listening, check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, we're on iTunes, etc., etc. And you can uh, check out my work at SebastianBendix.com. Happy Friday the 13th.